Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so this is kind of cool because I'm Jared Sandler, and I think for the first time I am actually having a conversation with someone who is also Jared Sandler, although I'm Jared uh, Sandler too. You are. Now, you have a middle name. You are Jared Mitchell Sandler. I do not have a middle name. So I guess it would be appropriate to ask what what's Mitchell? What's the significance of Mitchell since that's the separating factor? You don't have a middle name at all? I don't. So – my family's South African. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but my mom did not like her middle name, and so neither I nor my brothers have middle names. Wow. That's I have a Hebrew name. I'm, my Hebrew name is Yosef. Okay. Well, we don't have the same Hebrew name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my middle name, does it have any meaning? Well, it's uh, – I don't – you know, it's funny. I don't know if uh, you know this or not, but um, okay. So uh, the basically, how do I even explain this? Okay, the middle name. My middle name was originally because uh, my grandpa was named Morris, and so my mom was like, "I want you to, to name you after my dad, who passed away." Okay, but it's funny because our uh, I looked up because uh, for stand-up purposes, I looked up the definition of my name and what it means, and uh, it means first of all, like it means our name Jared means descendant of Adam, like Adam and Eve. Really? And, yeah, and uh, it's funny because uh, Mitchell means son of God. I'll, I'll get to that. So, the descendant of Adam and Eve is funny because. Uh, it's like Adam and Eve, the story with the apple. And my, I was, my friend and I were going over this and he went, he just immediately went, you know what that means, right? And I'm like, no, he's like, the apple's her. And I was like, I never knew that. The apple's just a, a metaphor for the Eve offers the apple and Adam takes the apple and then all this bad, the sins come in. 
I never knew it was just her the whole like 26 years alive. Everyone's like, they took the apple from the tree. No, it's a sex metaphor. And that's what was so interesting. So our name means descendant of sex. And then, yeah, and then Mitchell, son of God, I'm like, okay, I must be a god at sex. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. I did not, I never, you know, I've never looked up the meaning of our name. I I don't, I don't know why I haven't. uh, Damn, we're pretty obvious. This means we were cobblers back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of back in the day, what I usually ask first, I, I'm curious, you can take it whatever direction you'd like, uh, interests, hobbies, influences, whatever. But when you think back to your childhood, what are some of the things that stand out? Ooh, um, I was fat. I McDonald's was my favorite place. Um, on Oh, it was great. I would, uh, this, this actually applies to you. I would sit in the car with my dad and listen to sports radio as we would eat McDonald's. Um, I remember not being able to climb over a fence, like hop a fence, um, for (laughs) weight reasons. And uh, I remember uh, I almost choked on a bubble tape once. I played baseball. Remember those long, uh, it looks like a roll of scotch tape, and it was gum? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And my favorite part of Little League was getting hot dogs after the game. <laughs> did, did you and, – and I only asked this because the last time I asked someone this was a, a baseball player named Eric Hosmer, and it turned out to be a, a great answer. I don't – you know, maybe it's just yeah, – yeah. did you lose weight? Like, was it a conscious thing? Like, I got to lose weight, or did you just kind of grow out of it and end up, like, naturally slimming? Oh, it was uh, it was conscious, but also puberty helped. And then uh, I did all this work, and uh, I lost maybe in the like two and a half weeks. I lost ten pounds, and then I got my first middle school slow dance. I was like, it worked. (laughs) I was literally dancing with this girl for the first time, going, "Wow, this is hard. I guess hard work pays off." (laughs) <laughs> this is why I was on the elliptical. So you grew up in New Hampshire, right? Yep. Okay, I'll be honest. I know I've been to, I think, like 43 states. Uh, New Hampshire is not one of them. I don't really know a whole lot about New Hampshire. What, what's it like growing up in New Hampshire, and what are the things that maybe are unique to New Hampshire? Um, well, New Hampshire, uh, there's a lot. There's this song out. Uh, this came out years ago about how there's nothing to do there. And uh, <laughs> New Hampshire is interesting. It's like I shit on it a lot because I'm from there and I spent too much time there. A lot of people say it's beautiful. I've heard it once described as a beautiful place to go die, um, which is someone said that to me. It was weird. Uh, no, but New Hampshire is like uh, it's nice. It's uh, it has a mediocre version of everything. Like it has the beach. It's a it's a decent beach. It's fine. Has ski mountains. They're good. They're not great, but they're they're pretty good. Um, the food's okay. New Hampshire's a place that I don't really miss, except for a couple friends. Like people, when I moved out of New Hampshire, people were like, "Are you, you know, is there anything 
it's one of those states where like people either leave or they get trapped there forever. Did you? Okay, so you 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 go to USC. Did you you graduated high school in New Hampshire? or Did you move before? Yes. Okay, yes. I graduated high school in New Hampshire. Then I went to USC, and then that's when I literally the second day at USC is when I heard about you. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh, I guess fill everybody in. Yeah. Well, okay. So we both went to USC. We were in the same fraternity, although your freshman year was my first year out. So we never overlapped. Uh, I think I, I probably, I think I remember sending a Facebook message to you being like, ha ha, this is kind of funny. Uh, you know, good luck or hope all, you know, I don't know. And then we multiple times a year will get tagged. Like I, I apparently have a great stand-up comedy career because I get tagged in a lot of shows that I'm not a part of. And, and your, your recent movie, The Wrong Missy, I also apparently was a big part of that too. Yep. But okay. So how did you, I, I mean, I guess it, it makes sense. Like we're in the same fraternity, same school. So it was going to come up, but was it like, Oh, we just had a Jared Sandler. Like, how did you find out? That's so funny. Yeah. Netflix reached out to you for the wrong Missy. That's <laughs> it was, it was Sarah, but um, man, so I found out about you because I never partied in high school. And uh, I don't know, I, I started rushing a fraternity and the guys came up to me and they were like, hey, what's up? How's it going? And I said, hey, I'm Jared Sandler. And they were like, excuse me. And I was like, yeah, what? And they're like, yeah, I was I didn't know. They went, is that your real name? And then before they told me, like, I think it was Mateo, if you remember him. Yeah, Mateo Epstein, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He uh, asked, brought like four other guys over and went, this is hilarious. Say your name. I'm like, why is this funny? It's Jared Sandler. And they were like, dude, we just we just had one of you. We just got rid of that guy. I thought we were done. That's literally what they said. I thought we were done with Jared Sandler. Yeah. We got the new one. <laughs> four more years and then like as i was pledging i would get compared to you oh well that's a, i set a really low bar i don't i don't know that uh my presence was missed in that house so hopefully i i, I set a bar low enough that their, their whole experience uh my whole experience during college was just like the old jared sandler wouldn't do this oh, the old sandler would definitely do this and uh, it just it was pretty funny so did you just want to like punch me before you even met me? Like that would be, I would no, I, be so annoying. I thought, I thought it was funny. I was like, wow. Also, I didn't know that um, we joined this fraternity ZBT. I didn't know it was Jewish at all. I was just like, I guess I just gravitate toward these guys. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they're all Jews. <laughs> so the fact that like growing up in New Hampshire, there's not many Jewish people at all. So the fact that I was in a group of Jewish people, and someone had the same name as me, I was like, did I actually find people that are similar to me? It was kind of intriguing, to be honest. That's pretty funny. I, I don't remember how I found out. I, I, I'm i sure I got a text or something like, you'll never believe it. There's a guy named Jared Sandler who's uh, rushing the fraternity. But uh, And I'm sure at that point I, I reached out. Or maybe it wasn't until you actually like started pledging. But uh, So you and I spoke over the phone a couple weeks ago, that was the first time we had any like actual communication. We exchanged messages. Was, yeah, there was kind of some telepathy though because I I knew that was coming. 
because I was like, there was enough overlap at that point where it was like, okay, we gotta just, like, yeah. I just gotta forward you the shit that people send me that's meant for you. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I think like with a lot of people's lives, there's a linear component to it. You go to school, you go to college, then you begin your career, but you don't really have that. So I'm gonna kind of bounce around and, and I'll try keep some order to this, but. I, you know, it's tough because you, you started getting involved in your industry before you even went to college. So I guess, when did you really start pursuing the entertainment industry in any capacity? Man, I, uh, I didn't, I'm really college, but I didn't know before college was just like any movie I was in or anything was just fun. I didn't really think that much about it. We went on set one day. So, uh, my my uncle's Adam Sandler for everybody to for you all to understand the concept. Okay. So we were on set one day of uh Waterboy. I was like four. My sister was five. And all of a sudden, like I all like literally it was just like, All right, you guys stand over here and I didn't know what we were doing. And uh then they went, Okay, when they point at you, you clap a lot and then that's and that's it i was like okay and uh i i don't remember it really uh, i mean i kind of do then they would point and we'd clap and then uh, it looks crazy it's in the water boy it's the last scene in the water boy and um it's funny because everybody's in suits and then you see two kids who are literally i'm i'm in a basketball uniform and uh my sister's in a dress. We look out of place, but it, actually, it's kind of it's kind of just right for what happened. So the rest, like everything before college, was just fun. I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to do this. I was actually like really into sports before. I, I still am, honestly. Sport. That's why I started entertainment because it was similar to a sport. Like the the early movie experiences. Was that like? And maybe when you're four, like you don't, you already said you don't really remember a ton of it. But like, was that like your parents thinking, oh, like we're gonna, you know, do, how fun would it be if our kids are in this? Or did you no, say like, oh, I'd I, like to do this? Or I think it was my sister who was like, uh, can we do it? That's funny <laughs> because I don't know if she'd want to do it now, but like, she's like, can we? And I think it was just like, yeah, sure. And uh, I don't know what the hell happened to be honest. <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, no, because my parents never pushed it, and then uh, I, when I hit puberty, I forgot about it. To be honest, I was like, there's so many other things going on. I was like, not, not even, I mean, I was in New Hampshire. I never thought about acting. Okay, you go to college, and 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 that's where you really started to think about it. At at that point, I guess as you were reintroduced to it. What were the things that that captured you? I know you mentioned the entertainment side and the comparison to sports, but do you, are there like certain moments where, like, I remember, for instance, since you know USC, I went to USC. I guess I don't know, maybe. Did you okay. know you wanted to work in sports and media? Yeah. So I, I I wanted to. Okay. So my, I'll tell you a little bit about my. You know, there are lots of Sandler relatives. Yeah. Uh, so my grandfather. Uh, David was uh, an Olympic caliber sprinter. I, I say that because in South Africa, not only being in South Africa, but being Jewish back when he was in his athletic prime, 
he he won gold medals in the Maccabi Olympics because the actual Olympics were not uh, were not an option for him. My dad was a soccer player professionally in South Africa, so um, I, I came from like a very athletic family. My older brothers were both really good athletes, and so I was like most kids. I wanted to be a professional athlete, and I'm five seven, and so basketball was ruled out at a you know relatively young age. Jared Sandler Blankens. <laughs> yeah, I like, like Musty Bogues was my hero, but like you know, it just wasn't happening. Earl Boykins, all those guys. I, I got to broadcast games with Spud Webb, which is kind of neat because again, for short people, that's like, oh, Spud Webb won a dunk contest. Yeah. But uh, so, but I, I did play sports really competitively through my senior year, and so I was weighing like, do I go somewhere to play baseball because that ended up being the yeah. most realistic sport, or do I go and and focus on career? And yeah. so. I just that and, this thing with tennis. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you, you know what that decision's like. And, and I went to USC thinking that that's what I wanted to do. I, I really had zero experience, but before I, I was really good at bugging the crap out of people. And the guy who ran the broadcasting program for students happened to be from the Dallas area. And so I think maybe he was like, Oh, like this is cool. Dallas kid. And he gave me an assignment before classes started freshman year because someone got sick. I did a USC women's volleyball game. And I remember walking out of it thinking, like, I'm the next Al Michaels. Like, I got this. This is awesome. I look back at that tape, and it's the worst thing I think I, I could possibly have ever done. You got, you got it on tape. I, I do have it on tape. But I, I loved it, and I that was, like, the first – dalliance I had and then I just I love preparing for the games I love calling the games it's similar to you like the rush of that was my way to stay tied to sports was right being around it in the energy of the event so no I I didn't know for sure going to USC but I did know it was something I wanted to try and I've been lucky I haven't really had to try anything else since yeah that's interesting yeah it's a uh it's a weird decision no one really thinks about it like your high school to college decision. You think about it at the time, but looking back, like nobody in their 30s is going to go back and say, that was a really big decision for me. But it was a big decision. Like people will never, like, you know, I've never heard a person really admit that, hey, I decided to go to college and not play baseball and that was really tough for me. No one admits that because they're like, well, if you didn't go for baseball, you must have not have loved it that much. And you're like, no, it was, I missed it a lot. So I, I almost transferred, and, and, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who, if it's not love at first sight, maybe they think about it. But like, so I ended up working for the baseball program at USC for four years. And that was another way for me to be connected and, and to be in the dugout and feel like I was a part of a team. That must but, have been. Ter- ter- unfortunately like my wardrobe is now like this is one of the few dry fit shirts i have that's not a usc baseball shirt so it, it it was tough like i i i would be lying if i said that and we talked about this over the phone like both of us were ready to leave school not because we didn't like it but because we we wanted to go on and do what it is that we wanted to do and i think like when i first got to college it wasn't like i was running away from Dallas, like eager to, to get to college immediately. I, I enjoyed high school. I enjoyed, you know, growing up in that area. And so I did fall in love with USC, 
uh, or my experiences, at least I recognized how important it was, but it was not an easy transition for me at all. Interesting. What was, yeah, I, what was that like for you though? Like, I'm, I'm curious, like your transition. I, loved, I mean, I loved going to California and going to college mainly because of girls, but, um, that was, uh, no, but it was, uh, I got, I remember my dad, he said, cause I trained at a tennis academy in Florida. Like I did the, all this stuff. And, uh, like the dedicated said, tennis first, like kind of school. You did. Yeah, I, I went to Everett, Chris Everett's academy for okay. a summer. I remember they said to my dad, they were like, well, he's got to go play some tournaments in Europe. And he was like, why would he just, he'll play in the U S and then I, I remember my dad said to me before my senior year of high school, he said, you know, if you want, you could take a year off a gap year and see how good you get at tennis if you want. And I was like, this isn't serious. That's not the linear progression of life. Like no way he's, they're going to look at me and say, what the hell am I doing? And I didn't do it. Looking back, I'm like, I don't know. Could have been cool. And now, now I play tennis too. Now I'm always like, I wonder how good I could actually. So you, you still play? Oh, yeah, yeah. But there is that part of me going, I could have been. I don't know what would have happened, but I could have, I could have been pretty damn good. So when we do finally meet in person, we'll have to play some tennis. I'm not that good. I'm more of like an athlete who plays tennis as opposed to like a trained cool. tennis player you'd, you'd kick my ass, but it'd, it'd be fun okay so then uh, you you were part of the theater program at usc yeah was was there like a a, uh, a performance or something that like hooked you like what was it that hooked you to entertainment what hooked me was i worked as a production assistant and there's a movie called that's my boy and it came out god that was like eight years ago and I worked as a production assistant in the camera department on that. And then I saw that the actors were having a ton of fun. Like the, they were laughing. They were having the most fun on set. And then I saw, um, I went did an acting class at USC. I was so bad. Like I sucked. I didn't know what I was doing. And then this teacher started explaining it to me a little bit. And I wasn't good, but the idea that I could do it, it felt like, oh, okay, there's a challenge. Like, I'm excited to get up and go to class at 8 a.m. And I'm excited to, like, give it my shot instead of uh, everything else. I was just, I couldn't stand academics anymore. So that's what hooked me. And then it's, you know, you've been doing this since, and, and I'm going to get into the stand-up here in a little bit. I told you there's no no organization to this. but so we're going to now move forward. The most recent movie, uh, The Wrong Missy, uh, on Netflix, yep. watched it now twice, once by myself, oh, once with family. But I'm curious because, and I don't want to, no spoilers here, but the opening scene, I guess it's the opening scene, it's a, it's a blind date that goes that's, that goes really poorly, I guess, in, in some sense. It goes horribly, uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm curious because I, I do have one really, really bad blind date experience that's like would maybe some way, shape or form compare. I have a, I have a few good ones. OK, well, I was going to ask if there's like if, if when you think of that scene and, and I, I don't even know how to describe it other than just general sense blind date gone wrong. 
what what's is there one that pops in your mind? Yeah, I I haven't thought about this one in a while actually. Man, I don't even know where to start with this one. I it was my fault. I was the bad date. So I don't drink anymore, but in college like drinking was a thing totally. And I our fraternity I never really think about our fraternity anymore. But, yeah, um, there. Yeah, but just because it was in my mind. Our fraternity went to Vegas every year. Mm-hmm. Did they do that with you? For a formal? Yeah. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. I'm a kid from New Hampshire going to school for the first time in California, and they go, by the way, we're going to go to Vegas and like have a good time every year with like 140 of us. I was like, is yeah. this real? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, what? This doesn't make any. Anyways, I didn't know what to do for that. But I was drunk one night. You know, I didn't drink. I drank in college, but not like more than the average. But one night I asked this girl who I just met if uh, she wanted to go to Vegas with me. The problem was the next day, and she was so sweet. The next day I woke up. And I couldn't remember. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Re- I think I knew kind of who it was, but like I was uh, not too sure. And then, uh, then we finally we like when we really met was when we were about to leave. Because I was like, I guess I can't take this back now. And uh, we were about to leave. Someone walks up to the door of the house, and I was like, "How's it going?" And she's like. I'm excited for this. I'm like, it is you. Me too. <laughs> and uh, it was very, uh, yeah, that was not one of my finer moments. But we had a good time. I was going, okay, so it, it ended well. That's good. It ended pretty well. It was like, you know, yeah, we were friends. It was just fun. Yeah. It was, uh, it was very, it was a big mistake on my part. Like, not because of her, because of, like, that's when I realized, oh, don't make any decisions when you're drunk. It was the first year I ever drank. I didn't know. Another wrong Missy question, and I'm horrible at knowing when something is, like, shot on side or if there's a green screen or whatever, but there are scenes on a boat. Were those uh, shot? Were you on the water on a boat, or is that, like, green yeah, screen? Yeah. Did you have a blind date story? Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yes. I got two. Two quick ones. One... I was set up by a friend, and it was someone, and I don't want, because I'm, I'm, I'm confident this could get back to both people, so no names right here now, but a friend of mine, when I was single, set me up on a, a blind date with someone that she knew, but not, wasn't like a best friend, but someone she knew from work, and I got there early, or on time, I don't remember, and I said, you know, I'm 5'7", technically 5'6 and 3 quarters. And the fact that you know that. Yeah. So I knew, you know, it's the era of social media. I knew what she looked like. It wasn't like I was waiting for someone to be like, are you, you know, I, I and, and she, so I saw her walk in and I stood up. And it was just, you know, a polite, like I'm going to stand up to, to greet her, to introduce myself. And I could tell that she saw me. And... She then made an odd, like, change of direction and went to the bathroom. So I thought, okay, like, you know, maybe she's got to go to the bathroom or she wants to make sure she looks fine, whatever. 
Well, then I noticed her leave the bathroom. Then I noticed her leave the restaurant or though it was a bar. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe she had, well, she was like, maybe she left something in her car. And then I get a text like, hey, sorry, tied up at work, not going to be able to make it. That was an abrupt end. And and I realized, I think she like stood up. I didn't know it was because I was short. I was like, she must have like seen me and like not like the way I looked or something. And so I told her, my friend, or I guess our friend, texted me later, like, how'd it go? And I'll, I'll be honest, I was bummed. Like, I, that was not... Uh, yeah, no, that's never a good feeling. Yeah, like, I was, like, I already, like, had these fears, like, I'm never going to meet anyone. And, and then eventually, like, we got confirmation that she saw that I wasn't tall, and she, she had the mindset, well, I didn't want to waste anyone's time, whatever. Then there was one where it was my fault prior to that. You know, going on all these dates and it's it's not clicking. Um, and this person I'm I'm friends with to this day, but you know, there's this theory like you got to be a d- to like get a girl to like you, right? You know, like they like that. They like the and that's just not me. Like I'm. Do you still believe that theory? What's that? Do you still believe that theory? I I don't because I I guess it, you know I, I guess I'll say this the girl that. And, and I'm married now, but like the girl that I was going to end up with was going to be the girl that did not subscribe to that at all, because that's not the person I'd want. You know, I wouldn't want someone who likes being treated like that. And I just I can't do that. But I finally, like I, I it was a few years after college, maybe a year after college, you know, broadcasting, especially when you're not in a big city, it's tough to meet people. And I went on the state and it was while I was back home. Uh, just for a little bit, and I decided, all right, I'm gonna try and not be Mr. Nice Guy and Mr. Friend Zone because that my history was like friend zone, like within minutes. And I thought the date went really well, and I don't know that I was like an overt a hole, but I definitely was trying to take on this persona. And I thought the date went well, and I sent the girl a text the next day, and she said, "You were well." She said, "I know." You know, everyone I heard, I was so excited to go on a date with you because I had heard how good of a guy, how nice of a guy you were. And I, in the text had sent along the lines of, but you clearly felt the need to be someone you weren't. And I don't, I'm not interested in going on a date with another date with that person. Said, like, I could tell basically, and we, we were friends now. We joke. She's like, I could tell that wasn't you. I could tell that was like, you were trying to be someone different. So that was, that's, I guess those are the two bad like date stories that, that really come to mind. Man, that is funny. That's funny. The first one, first of all, if you're on a blind date, like maybe she should have just sat down and stayed blind. Like, <laughs> like, for, yeah, it's just weird. Like, I don't want to waste your time, but at the same time, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. Blind date I, I don't know. Blind dates have never really uh I'm sure someone did that to me once, but I just honestly like those are the best nights when someone does that to you because you make a new friend. You like you talk to the bartender and you're just like, You see how much of a piece of that person is? Yeah. And the bartender's like, Yeah, wow and then you suddenly make a new friend. I I wish I would have taking advantage of like that freedom of not having like that dinner now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I 
kind of went home and that's okay. Yeah, watch TV or something. I don't know. I used to do that too. Like I would ask a girl out, like even when I was very young, and uh, she would say no, but I'd be like, I'm getting better at this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's progress. Yeah, Um, totally. All right, quick another one-off question on the wrong Missy. So the the boat scenes, do you ever get like sick on the boat? I mean that. Yeah, that happens. I mean, like, so we were out in the water. No one really got sick. It was like, or maybe someone, I think someone did actually, but they held it in pretty well. I think two people actually got sick. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm used to being on a boat. So like, but there are times like I've shot, shot a few movies sick. It is not fun. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's like, you can't really call in sick on a movie, no matter what, like, you got to be there. You got to do it. Um, so that's just a, it's a tough day. But once I shot, I shot a movie, this movie father of the year, it's on Netflix. Now I was sick. No one really knew. It was like nothing contagious. If it was contagious, obviously I'd be like, yo, but, um, I, I'd, I'd speak up, but, it was uh, this thing going on with me. I had all, all these food allergies, and uh, my stomach was messed up, and I didn't realize. Like, uh, doctors couldn't figure it out for seven months. But I shot this movie, and um, it's just like you don't know the circumstance that's going to get somebody sick because a movie changes so much. But And it's exhausting. Like, it's fun, but it's tiring. But... It happens, and there's a medic on set for that, too. When it happens, it is a pain in the So a boat didn't help, but it was okay. <laughs> okay, I'm glad that that didn't go go poorly. And so I want to get back into the movies in a little bit, but I, I, I really want to talk to you about the stand-up. So you are an actor. You're also a stand-up comedian. How did you, I guess, decide, all right, I want to give this stand-up comedy stuff a try i saw this is how i started okay i saw that there's another jared sandler who was a sportscaster and i needed a leg up and I, no i don't know i uh man it is funny like i'm sure like you got notes like notes in high school or papers with your name on it and like that, that's it's just amazing meeting someone with the same name like <laughs> Yeah, every time I go online and, like, my name's not available on an account, I'm just like, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Man, it's uh, it's really good. So the stand-up. I started stand-up four years ago now, and, uh, wow, yeah, four years ago. I just started because I was doing other forms of comedy, and uh, I just gravitated towards stand-up. At first, I didn't know what it was. I hated it, and then... I just I saw a show with uh, with Adam and David Spade and Nick Swartzen and Rob Schneider and Norm Macdonald and I saw how much fun stand up could be and I uh, ever since it was like I moved to New York uh, during that time and it was uh, just started doing stand up every night. So not to be dramatic, like they're obviously men and women who are doing courageous things for our country. I don't mean to compare it on that level, but like from a performance standpoint, to me, like stand up 
takes a lot of courage. I, I never really realized it because uh, how people are afraid of public speaking. And I don't know. <laughs> I just was like, it. it's like, it is what it is. And I would get up there and I, I wasn't good at first. Like you just get up there and you do it and you live with it. So, okay. The, the feeling of whether it's a joke that doesn't land or a performance like early on, would you, did you have the ability, the wherewithal to just leave the club or, or wherever and just be like, Hey, that's, that's a part of the business. Or did that stuff really stick with you and, and grind um, to you? It definitely grinded at me because I cared about it. And it was also a big reason uh, to ask, well, just like a sport. It's like, all right, why did that not work? Why, whereas you would listen. So you record every stand up set and uh, you listen back to the tape and yeah, I have to listen. I have to listen to every single tape. Or, or if I film the set, I gotta watch the tape and be like, even when I do well, um, when I do well, when I don't, same. You look at it and you're like, sometimes you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. But yeah, you gotta learn from it. Um, so it would eat. It would eat at me a bit. I don't know. It just uh, did not feel. You know, there's a weird thing like. It doesn't feel good not doing well, but you get to a point where you know you're good at this, so it doesn't it doesn't hurt your confidence. Okay, so I'll, I'm going to ask this, but first equated, I guess, to broadcasting. So I, I mentioned that volleyball game. I thought I was like the, the king of the world, and then you realize you're not. Uh, but there are still moments where you're like, okay, I know I've got a long way to go to get to where I want to be, but like. I think that this is a path worth pursuing because I'm making some progress and you know, you have these moments that are important because they're reminders of positivity or reminders of, of okay, progress. Sure. Is there one that like stands out for you early on where it's like understanding like this is something you can do? Okay. So one moment that stuck out, it was, I don't know. Like I just, I never saw stand-up as, like, I'm going to make a career out of this. Like, I, I still don't. Um, I see it as, like, a sport. You never go, I'm going to make a career out of being a baseball player. You're going to be like, you're like I'm going to be the best baseball player of all time. And you don't think of it as, ooh, now I'm getting paid to be a baseball player. I feel good. It's just like, no, you're going for the top. So... One moment that stuck out, I guess, was um, I played. There's a few moments, but um, I played the first year I did stand up. I basically my dad had had a stroke, and he's he's doing great now. But I lived with him in the hospital, and he went, "Why don't you go to New York and do stand up?" And I went, "Okay," because I didn't really know what else to do, and then. I was at it every night, and uh, there were two moments that stuck out that year. First moment was I knew my uncle had just started going back on tour um, to do for stand-up. And he would play these big arenas, these big rooms. And I was like, I want to I wanna do that. Like, God, I don't know if I'll ever get the chance, but I'm going to be ready. And... So the whole time I was like, 
<laughs> working on my stand-up in New York, in the back of my head, I'm like, will this work in the stadium? Uh, yes. And then I, so I built a set around that. And then um, I, that December, uh, I got the chance. And it was pretty cool. It was like, uh, everyone's like, how the f*** did you do that a year in? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just uh, I, the the opportunity was kind of there. I, I I like told them. I'm like, I told everybody. I was like, hey, like, come on, let me give me give me give me a shot. I I, I know I know I got it. I got it. And uh, I that was a big moment. That just like I, I played a, a really big place, and then it just it just felt like. It was an achievement, but then also like it's weird because every time you have an achievement, you realize you're in like the next few the few days after the achievement, you're like, all right, well that was uh it was fun for me. Like I don't know if everybody remembers it, but it was fun. And now it's like what now you're on to the next thing, right? Like uh, yeah, it was like I played a room of this is very telling in stand up too. Like if you have any friends who are stand ups you know this is a true story. Okay. I played a room of 6,000 people, and the next, maybe five days later, I was in a room of two people. And that's just how it is. Interesting. Yeah. So it varies. And it was the room of two people just as fun in a different way. But, yeah, it was... um those were big moments, but I don't know. Like, I just kind of see it as me getting better and the overall progression of my stand-up. Uh, I don't know if this is a great answer, but I just think it's, like, it's fun. Like, I just try to keep it fun and funny. Okay, well, it seems like fun and funny are important for, for that gig specifically. So what what's your process in developing content for, for stand-up? Basically that. If it's funny, write it down and figure it out. That's it, really. When uh, people just start writing stand-up and, uh, you know, you see similar subjects as you progress, but you just, um, that's it. You just write it down if you think it's funny, and then you work it out with your friends. Or you can work it out on stage. Or For me, I'd call my friends. I remember I had a friend zone joke, actually. That's exactly like your situation um, when you were younger. I said I, I would get friend zoned and I went, I always hate when women do this. Or I hate when a girl says, do you want to go to lunch? Because I know immediately that this is not going to work. And so that's like the thought I have. And then I started uh, going, okay, how could this be funny? And I came into, okay, what if I ask a girl out to dinner she says what about getting lunch i'm like i know this is not going the right way and then for me i create a twist so like this was one of my earliest jokes i still use it because it's pretty good i say so i called the girl that i liked i asked her out to dinner and she said what about getting lunch and i didn't want to fall into the friend zone i saw the trap there and i've been working on it so and then i was like as i was writing this joke i was like all right let's figure out a twist here so this is what I say to the girl on the phone. I just went, well, I work all day, so I can't. And she said, well, I f*** all night, so I can't. And, 
and then uh, I was like, okay, now how do I spin it one more time to make it like we can't end it there? So I go, so I work all day, so I can't. Well, I f- all night, so I can't. So we went to breakfast, and uh, the, the guy she brought, he paid for both of our meals, so it was good. And that's where it, um, then I called my buddy after I wrote that part. I was like, I don't think the joke's good enough. Like, I think there's, it's missing a piece. And he went, just try it like that and see what happens. And so I went out there and I tried it. And I was like, seemed to be pretty good. All right, this is not my, it works. I can move on. Like, you, you realize, eh, I'm not going to get much more out of this one. Okay, so what? I, that's I guess what I kind of envision is like you're you're living your life, you're doing whatever you're doing, and like anything like it's almost I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but like any little thing that happens during the day or you know at any point like it could be like it could be material right like yeah and everybody writes differently, but it could be something I just a lot of people go, oh, don't use me in your act I'm like. Hey, like, it's my life. It's my art. What the hell do you want from me? So I never, I never defend anybody. Like I never, uh, I never go out and I, I never uh, say anybody's real name or like that. Um, thought about it for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, I try not to. Is there stuff I'm sure every, every standup has a different, philosophy with this but like is there content that to use just off limits or because like there are some stand-ups who they they make a living like really uh, digging into racy stuff what what's your stance on that they, absolutely not nothing's off limits it's just a matter if you know how to do it at first like i wouldn't cover topics because i'd be like "Ooh, this could get this could get bad but as i'm getting better i'm like no i know I, i'm learning how to talk about this I also run it by my friends. So, like, if I tell a joke that's going to be harsh on women, or I think maybe, I call a girl and I ask her, hey, how do I make this, like, because I don't want to, like, I want to make a point and I think it's funny, but I also want to make sure that, you know, I'm not really saying something ignorant. Um, and sometimes you do offend people and screw it. Like, that's, you can't make everybody happy. And that's something that you'll learn as a stand-up. If you can make a group of people happy, and that's good enough. So I, I was going to ask that because, like, the thick skin, I don't know that I had that when I was 12 years old. And, and outside of broadcasting, I don't know that I necessarily had that. But, like, you learn, you adapt. Is that something, is that like mentality that you just described, is that natural for you or is that something yeah, that you had to really grow into? I like the idea of like stand-up. Um, I, I just like the idea of going like, at the time I started stand-up, I didn't have anything else. So it was just like, whatever. And there's just a feeling, it's just amazing power when you can get on a microphone and say anything you want and be anybody you want and just try anything you think is funny or anything you want, honestly. And sometimes it felt like felt like I was a rebel. It was amazing because I was just saying anything 
It's just fun. I just, uh, you know, when people don't like you, it's okay. Because I had nothing else. I would just go and rework the subject. Like, what am I going to do? Like, never do this again? I, I had nowhere else to turn. So it was just it was just fun. So for me, you know, there are broadcasters in various sports that, like, I, I, I guess would be a part of my board of advisors who have been really instrumental in helping me and... Ooh. There's mentors and stand up. It's 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 the same. It's who, like, who are those for you? Uh mentors and stand up. Uh there's some guys out of Long Island that are uh very great stand ups who help me. And they change. Mentors change in stand up because you find the people that can really help you. So some guys in Long Island, they're very funny. There's a whole group of comedians in Long Island that are very funny. And there's a uh, I I would say names, but I just I have there's so many mentors that it's like I don't know like I'd be here listing names all night. Um, I think my cousin's a mentor to me. My cousin's not a he's not a stand up. He's getting his doctorate right now in science, but he's really funny and he gets it. So he's a mentor to me because I'll. He's someone I check on stuff with of like, do I say that? And like, should I say that? And then I, if he's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, okay. And it's it's so fun to him to see somebody take his like an idea that he you talk about and then try it in front of 300 people. And he's like, I can't believe I just, like, because it's like a direct connection. He's like, you know, say something about your mom's feet. And 10 minutes later, he sees me doing something about my mom's feet in front of 300 people. It's it's a cool feeling. You're like, you get you literally get the test. Like as a scientist, you get to see the test in front of you. That's pretty. That's pretty neat. It, it's interesting because it seems like, and maybe I need to be doing more of this, but like you turn to people who do what you do, but you also really lean on people who don't because oh, they're yeah. going to be the people who consume your work. Yeah, that's the majority. Is like. I think there's a loss in uh, a lot of people that they don't see. They don't see uh, what's not seen. Like they don't see. For me, it's like it's not seen as um, asking people who are real what they actually think. Asking someone who listens to your your broadcast and go, "How did you like it? What what was up with it?" Because they're the ones that are tuning in every week. So. You got to stay true to yourself and how you operate, but also take into account like who who you value. It's interesting. I think I ask more non-comedians than comedians how to do stuff. That's interesting, and maybe that's something I need to do more of. But like I, you know, I had this idea. I'm going to ask you who your influences are, and, and you know, I, I I guess I ultimately asked you, but before I even asked you, like I'm thinking like. Like he's going to answer this in a way that's totally different than anyone that I, I guess, have asked that question to. My influences are, <clears throat> I had this influence. You know what it is? You have influences in that are not comedians for me. But then you have influences when you start talking about something tougher that are more comedians. Like, for example, I can have an influence that's like, I talk about this this girl. I just had wrote this new bit. This girl came up to me 
um, I was going to hang out with her during this quarantine. And uh, we, I'm in a different, I'm in Florida right now, but I normally don't live here. So I told her, hey, I don't want anything too serious, if that's okay, uh, if anything happens. And she said, I don't want to be your East Coast slam. Immediately, I was thinking, joke, joke, this is, this is going <laughs> to this is going to be good. Yeah, you get those influences. But when I want to talk about like, and I barely talk about hard, but the intricacies of my family or what's going on in America right now in the world, that's when I'll turn to for my cousin, who's very smart, somebody who's very smart and understands it or a comedian and going, all right, how, what are the general like, I love Chris Rock. Like, all right. And uh, I've never asked him for comedy advice, um, but like watching him talk about the subject or Dave Chappelle, but Chris Rock uh, talking about the police and race. It's like, wow, this is so um, well thought out. So and there are comedians that talk about heavy sh- and then there's some that they stay away from it. And that's like, that's the beauty of it. It can be, there are vastly different styles. All right. So I want to shift back to the acting side of things. How, how do you feel like you've grown as an actor from where you were, maybe when you started to where you are now? Um, I sucked when I started. I sucked. It was, it was not, it was fun, but it was like, woo, that was a, uh, uh, to where I am now. I honestly, the best thing I did for acting was I went to therapy and um, sorted my starting to sort my life out that was the best thing I could have done as an actor and it's uh, yeah the better my life is sorted out the more I was able to be in a situation and like my head wouldn't be messed up and I could just I could focus it probably would have helped me in every part of my life it does help me in every part of my life but acting especially it was very important. I guess I'm jumping now to a different stream here, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I saw you post about it, was mental health and oh. why. I mean, that's obviously important. It should be hopefully important to everyone, but, you know, not everyone is, is posting about it. I, I, I guess you just sort of maybe touched on it there, but why is that so important to you or how did it become important to you? Okay, so mental health, um, man, it's uh, – all right. So, first of all, I'm trying to disconnect the dots here. So we talked about how I was raised. We talked about uh, a little bit about our dating lives, college. Then I started acting, then stand-up um, in 26. Uh, I li- I've lived in L.A. and New York, and, uh, and I'm in Florida right now with my family for this quarantine. And in New Hampshire, that's where I grew up. So just putting a time, kind of a timeline of stuff together. Um, the mental health happened like two years ago, three years ago when I started going to therapy. It's important to me. Why is it important to me? Um, it's everything, man. It's like, think about your body. Your body, you go to the gym and you work out. Think of your body as like your hardware, you know? And then mental health your body's your hardware, your brain's your software. You need to pay attention to both in order for you to work. It's probably the best way I can describe it. It's 
it's like you're not going to the gym. So people see it in different ways, but it's important to take care of your mental and spiritual health, your soul. And um, a lot of people don't understand that that's okay. And uh, that's where it became important to me when I saw how, like, how it helped my life. And then you mentioned, and, and I don't mean again to bounce around, but when you brought it up, it seemed like oh yeah yeah perfect time to ask about that. But as far as the acting side of it, and and in the grand scheme of things, how it's impacted your life is is far more significant than acting. But from the acting side of it, how did that help you? What 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 are the things that you were? I've done more comedy so far, but like in college, I did some drama. It helped me emotionally completely. Um, just get a grip on like who I am and that's important as an actor if you want to be someone else or be authentic to understand who you are it just helped me on the acting side everybody has different triggers or that affects them make better decisions so I am able to walk into work with a clearer mind and I'm more me like you can feel if you make a bad decision in your life and as a broadcaster and you know something's messed up you like for example you're dating someone you don't like or you have lied to your parents and you need to tell them the truth I don't know what it is but if you have that underneath you know that a camera or when you're talking it's gonna pick up that you're not fully there so it really helped as an actor just be able to show up every day and I'm fully here today. Nothing's me up. That kind of hits close to home just because I, I can't tell you, I'm sure the the quality in a broadcast, the difference when like, you know, so like my wife has had a lot of medical issues and their days, you know, baseball is every day. So it's not like you know, we can schedule things necessarily always around my schedule. And there are days I'd go to the field and I'd have to wait for her mom or grandmother to come, you know, to where we were staying to just kind of like help take care of her. And like yeah, that and would... You show, up, you show up tired. You're like... Yeah. You're not into it. It's the same as an actor, any any profession, I think. When you're able to get down to who you are and like make better decisions so you don't talk for four hours... The, the the night before you have a, something important so you don't mess up your sleep. It's really important. Like, it, I, I have this one story. I, I remember it perfectly. Um, I actually auditioned, oh, man, two years ago, last year, two years ago. Um, I auditioned for Stranger Things, and uh, that was pretty sick. I was like, hell yeah. Um, and it was so cool. But before maybe an hour before I was going in to uh, go do this I couldn't remember one line I couldn't remember like I was all messed up and I was running it with my friend and she was like what's what's up it's not about the scene and I had something going on uh, with my roommate and I like felt really bad about it and the second I talked it out with her the scene was perfect it was fine and so it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, I don't think people realize how much their mental state matters. And people try to deflect or just uh, suppress emotions or just, 
uh, I'll deal with this later and I'll, you go into work and you try to do a good job. But if you're actually like there for it, you're, you're way better off. What's your, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I know for some people, the topic of mental health is, is tough to talk about. So I appreciate you. Yeah. I mean, I'd recommend everybody to go to like, not therapy, but do your own version, you know, like if therapy works for me, it's a great thing. Or you could go, I don't know, just take care of yourself mentally. Talking is really important. And I also think like people, some people don't like talking. Some people just like run. Some people do they're like, I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but just know that it's okay to dedicate time to it. Okay, so you're you've got a, a gig. Let's let's take the wrong Missy, which again out on Netflix. You, sure. You've got this gig. You know, all right. I'm. This is my character. These are my lines. How do you approach understanding that role? I always hear actors and actresses talk about like really understanding the character. How, how do you go about doing that? For wrong Missy or any character, you find a. Uh, like everybody does it differently. First of all, it's like shooting a basketball into a hoop. No one gives a how you did it unless, as long as it goes in. Um, I find a different process for every. It's like it's always slightly different for every character I play, and I think um, I just think like you find the one thing that clicks for you, and. For me, at least, like other actors do it completely differently. You find the thing that clicks when you're like, oh, I, there's a, you get to this point where you're like, oh, I know who the guy is. And that's, that's when it starts. And then you can make it more specific. But once you get that, that turning point where you're like, ah, I got it. I, I, I know who, you, I know who it is, is going to be. Then it's a, uh, it, then it works like um to be more specific like for wrong missy you look at this guy on camera and it's like the assistant or assistant who's getting yelled at all the time and uh i play a guy who just like always brings his boss coffee and just gets yeah, on. Hey, but you're johnny on the spot you're you're there right when he needs you that's the thing is when i realized oh this guy is a great He's actually a fantastic assistant. That's when I was like, oh, I know who the guy is. Anything he needs, anything. And then he's a fantastic assistant that gets shaken up when he gets yelled at. That's all I needed. But everything was informed by, like, I have, like, I'm there for you. Then my boss would yell at me. And it would be like, then I get confused. That's literally the pattern of every single bit in that movie for me at least okay I, I, the last thing i want to kind of cover uh in that movie and and a lot of the the happy madison movies there are a lot of the you know you get a lot of the, the recurring actors i guess and it seems like it's it's this big family and i'm curious like for you and and i get the sense it is but like it seems like with that group and, and you're a part of it, like relationships are so important and that you guys have so much fun. Uh, and I don't mean relationships from a networking standpoint. I mean like true relationships. I, I know they're important to everyone. I guess it just seems like, I don't know how many other like groups there are that 
you know, it seems like in every movie you can guess that, like, these five people are probably going to be in it. Like, I know Broken Lizard kind of had their thing going. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess how important is that to you? Or, or what's that experience been like with, with having these special relationships? I mean, for me, like, I, I think it's for any industry. I mean, for me, like, family's everything. So the fact that I can have a family to do enjoy this journey with is the best. That's it. I mean, it's fun. And then uh, even I, we meet new people along the way, and that's incredible. And that's uh, but finding the family that really will go on this uh, go on this ride with you. Like I've been like one of the guys. Like I have been in like seven different states with this one guy who like uh, uh, we work with, and like I've been in two three different countries with him now. Like I have more of a relationship with him than anybody like <laughs> most people in my life so uh it's cool to just enjoy the experience with somebody 